Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hello, everyone. I'm Eric. I'm a compulsive eater. Um, It's wonderful to see uh, so many people. Um, I'm... The funny thing is uh, I got introduced to this meeting by a friend from the East Coast and I live in the East Bay and it took somebody all the way over from the East Coast to to, to mention this meeting to me. So in fact, he was the one who asked me to come speak. Um, I've been a compulsive eater uh, all my life, only recently realized it, but uh, uh, I can remember uh, starting off not even being 10 years old and and running through the kitchen, uh, I used to have this thing where I would sneak out of bed late at night and it was this escalating uh, game where my mother would hide the cookies harder and harder places and I would seek them out and search them because I needed that sugar. Um, and my father, I had all kinds of games to, to drink his sugary beverages in the, in the fridge. Um, and so I can, and I can remember back, this is when I was only maybe eight or nine years old and, and I had every all the stairs mapped out so I could sneak downstairs without anybody hearing me because it was so important that I'd be able to, to get into the, the cupboard and, and find the, the sugar. Um, when I was still living uh, at home, mostly my, my parents uh, worked reasonably hard to have sort of nutritious meals and to keep me from, as I said, to, to hide the sugar from me on a regular basis. Um, as I moved on and got older, um, it got worse, especially as I moved out on my own, because suddenly I didn't have that restraint. And um, it didn't start immediately, um, but slowly but surely over time, I, I found what ended up happening is I started sort of emulating what I had done at home. So that meant, you know, buying reasonable things for breakfast and reasonable things for dinner. And then over time, um, partially because I get impatient, partially because I'd be tired and, and didn't want to cook, things would slowly, slowly start to get substituted out. So I went from having sort of maybe a sugary breakfast, but at least, you know, what most people would look at and call a reasonable breakfast to slowly substituting things out here and there and going, oh, well, I don't, I don't have time to cook, um, but I can do cereal in a bowl. Okay, that's fine. Well, I don't have time to like clean up a cereal in a bowl. You know, uh, I can just you know, have something to drink. And, you know, coffee isn't a whole lot different than soda. And the next thing I know, you know, time goes by and, and um, I'm grabbing a, a can of soda in the morning. And that becomes sort of the thing I drink on the way to work. And that becomes breakfast. And slowly but surely, you know, it wasn't something like I woke up one day and suddenly I was, I was eating poorly for breakfast. It just was a slow, gradual sort of growing thing. Um, at some point, um, I, I know it's hard to believe, but drinking soda for breakfast started to bother my stomach. Uh, and most sane people would have looked at it and said, oh, maybe I should rethink what I'm doing for breakfast and eat like something more nutritious and good for my stomach. No, what I found was I said, oh, I'll add a sugary breakfast bar to go with it because maybe that'll help absorb the the caffeine and the sugar and make it uh, uh, settle my stomach better. And so I moved forward with that, which was, I haven't decided whether that was a worse or, or uh, just about the same as, as the soda for breakfast. 
so that went on for for a long long time it got progressively worse um i found myself isolating a lot too uh as a, at that point i was single and um it's just a you know the, the work involved in cooking and cleaning and so on um sort of put me into a world where occasionally especially i liked to make big elaborate meals um but that takes a lot of work and time and effort and so on a nightly basis it's it's hard and so doing like a, a drive through at, at some uh, unnamed fast food restaurant. Uh, uh, do you, do you guys work to sort of not mention brand names and things like that? I know a lot of meetings do that, so you don't care. Well, I'll, I'll continue to do that anyways, cause that's usually what I do anyways. So, um, as I said, worse and worse and worse. Um, I did get married at one point, which helped in some ways, but also made it worse than others because I found myself then, instead of just sort of being open about what I was doing, because um, I was by myself, so who cared? Um, now I started hiding um, my eating patterns. Um, and so I would still do, by then I was doing um, um, sugary beverage and even worse sugary um, package of, of little sugary things um, in the mornings for breakfast. Um, my, my wife at that point would then start to try and cook for me and the addict in me would say, oh, that's great. I would eat that. And then I would stop at some little convenience store on the way to work and buy the sugary things that I was now, you know, couldn't let go of. And so not only was I eating poorly, but I was actually eating doubly. So that got worse and worse and worse. Um, and I would have moments where when she would travel or be gone, and um, I got even worse because then, then I didn't have the throttle and I didn't have anybody cooking for me. And so as a result, I would just go crazy. Um, I had a number of sort of episodes where she'd be gone for a weekend or something and I would just binge all weekend long. And um, really the scary thing is like, I felt really, really horrible after these binges and sort of even in the middle of these binges. And I, I wouldn't sleep well cause I was getting way more sugar and caffeine than, than I even sort of normally was getting. Um, and so that sort of did even worse things. And so finally, one fall while she was gone, um, I ended up doing delivery food. Um, and there's, um, I'll mention pizza, but not brands, but delivery. Um, what would normally be sort of a, a reasonable size meal for two people, um, I would finish um, as well as like a two liter bottle of, of sugary soda um, in one night, I would finish. And I did that like three nights in a row while she was gone, nothing else of substance that weekend. Um, and I was sleeping like hell, which kind of makes sense if you think about that much caffeine and sugar in your body and, and the, the flour and, and other sort of things. Um, and in the process, I ended up finally sort of sleeping in this horrible position. I ended up severing a nerve in, in the back of my neck. Um, the, it, there's sort of a nerve that controls your outer, um, outer parts of your, your hand. Um, and uh, it didn't quite sever it, but did enough that I got like this buzzing sensation all down my arm. Um, and and somebody who's has a lot of anxiety in my life, that was really, really scary. Um, uh, ended up going to the doctor. The doctor basically said, yeah, that's gonna be like that for a while. They had a number of options. One of them involved basically drilling a hole in the, the back and, and trying to sever the nerve more. So it was completely severed. Um, as well as some other things. 
um, all of which was really, really scary to me. And all the meantime, now I can't sleep at all because as I lay down at night and it's quiet and there's nothing there, all I can feel is it's uh, it's like somebody running electric current all up and down, you know, sort of my my left forearm. And I lost a lot of um, mobility in in the outer part of my left hand. Um, and so it was it was definitely what I consider my bottom. Um, and and all of this was because of food because I had let myself get that carried away and and that careless. I mean, not careless, but just eating poorly. So somewhere in that same time frame, uh, somebody I know of from AA had um, said, "I think you should start talking to these. Uh, you know, look at what's involved in OA." And um, I still remember they brought me to this this little meeting um, in Willow Glen, which is uh, down in South Bay, and I, I came in. And it was a small meeting, like maybe five or six people, and I I wanted to sort of sit at the back. It was a meeting where everybody sort of sits around a table in the middle of the room. And I went to sit at the back and they're like, no, 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 we're gonna sit at the table. The, the person who had brought me there said, no, no, we're gonna sit at the table. I'm like, no, 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 I don't, it's okay. I just wanna sort of sit in the back and get a feel for, like, no, no, we are going to sit at the table. And they, like that person like insisted and brought me up to the table, which was the right thing to do, by the way. Um, and this, the thing, I, you know, I was very skeptical at that point. I was there basically like to keep them happy. I'm like, oh, let them, um, and, what amazed me is is even in that very first meeting, as I heard people go around and share, it was a meeting with the speaker and then and then sharing afterwards. And as I listened to both the speaker and people sharing afterwards, is I, is how many times I found myself sort of, you know, internally going, "Oh my God, that person has my story. That oh my God, I I know exactly that. I oh my God, I do that too. Oh wow." And um, up until that point in time, I had this image that I was like this special snowflake that nobody else in the world had the kinds of problems that I had. Nobody ever like had, you know, issues with, you know, caffeine and sugar and, and, and trying to say, I'm not going to eat that and then eating it as well. And all kinds of other weird and wacky things that I'm sure everybody in this, this meeting would listen to and go, Oh yeah, I know that. Yeah. That's sad. Um, That's sad. Thank you. Um, so um, at that point, I, I started going to meetings. Uh, I went to a number of meetings uh, in, in and around the um, sort of the San Jose, um, Palo Alto area. Um, and um, uh, I still remember like at that point, um, the company I worked for had, had just acquired a company in Paris. And so they're like, oh, we bought this company in Paris and we want you to go over um, uh, I'm an engineer by living. And they were like, we want you to go over and work with the engineers in this new company and be part of it. And so on this one Saturday at, a, um, I'd been looking for a sponsor. So on one Saturday in November, this was, I don't know if anybody remembers the terrorist attacks in Paris. Um, we were supposed to go that weekend. And because of the terrorist attacks, we deferred it until the weekend after November, or after Thanksgiving. So that Saturday morning, I went to a meeting in the span of like one meeting and a Saturday morning, I, I found a sponsor, I packed, I got a food plan and I climbed on a plane to Paris. And at first I'm sitting on this plane going, you know, this is gonna be the scariest thing in the world because I'm sure everybody here knows when you hear the word Paris and food, you're going, oh yeah, that's gonna be a nice mix. But it actually turned out really, really well because there was nothing there that I recognized. 
So none of my trigger foods, um, you know, there were all these French restaurants. I was going to all these French restaurants where I didn't recognize anything and I couldn't pronounce half of it. And so all I could really sort of do was say, hey, you know, do you have, you know, this vegetarian thing? Vegetarian was kind of rough, but I was at least sort of eating reasonable food and none of my trigger foods were there. So I was actually eating kind of reasonably. And so it was, I spent a week there. And for that entire week, I actually managed like, and and for me, I'm still amazed that like, you know, at that point in time, I got a food plan and for a week, immediately afterward, I had no slips. I mean, later they came, but that first week in Paris, I was actually able to sort of eat really, really well. So um, slowly but surely I've evolved since then. Um, my food plan started off as uh, no fast food, no flour, no sugar, no soda. Um, I actually thought the hardest one of those was gonna be soda. And it turned out actually flour was harder. I thought flour, I, I don't have any problem with flour. And then I started looking at where all the foods I ate that had flour. Um, over time, it's I've sort of refined it as well. Um, I'm now allowed, if I'm in Paris and it's a really good croissant, I'm allowed to have that kind of bread, but only one. Um, and I actually don't travel to Paris anymore. So it actually turns out that's not a problem anymore. Um, but as time goes on, what I've found is like every three or four months, there's some new trigger food that I have to deal with that, you know, the previous trigger foods aren't a problem anymore, but the new, I have a new trigger food. So it's, it seems like for me, at least, um, my food plan is a constantly evolving, changing thing. And, um, and then of course we have this year with the pandemic, which introduced a whole brand new set of, um, constraints. In some ways it made it easier for me um, because you know, there were no restaurants to go to for quite a while. So it wasn't like I had to worry about finding restaurants with, with the, the food that worked for me. Um, but I have found like, you know, uh, I have to be a little more careful now because the stuff that's available, you know, the restaurants that are available are not necessarily always the higher grade. Um, and I'm a little disappointed with that. But um, so in general, uh, what I found is like a lot of the things that I always thought, you know, I, I'm never going to get over that. And I find myself driving down the road and I, you know, I look at a fast food restaurant and I think, you know, I have no, no interest in that at all. It's not even like, I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't, um, but I'll resist it. It's like, I think about it and go, I could, if I wanted to, and yet it, no interest whatsoever, you know? And like I said, I still have trigger foods that I have to deal with on a, a ongoing basis, but um, and a couple of years ago, I started sponsoring people, um, which was another sort of evolution in my process. Um, and at first it was a little scary. Um, but with the, the thing I found is, um, two things frequently I go through sponsor sponsees and like every six months I have a new sponsee and I'm not sure why, but they don't always sort of hang around. Um, I have two right now that are pretty good sponsees. And the greatest thing is like, I feel so much um, better after talking to them, which is kind of, I know it's sometimes seems like it should be the other way around. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, they've told me that they feel better after talking with me too, but it's a two-way street. And that's the really fascinating thing to me about sponsoring is that um, I get as much out as, as they get out of uh, being a sponsee. So, uh, and um, yeah, and I think, I don't know how am I doing on time? Do I have?
I lost track of who's timing. <laughs> but anyways. And you have uh, four minutes left. Four minutes in. Okay. Um, yeah. So nowadays, um, I still basically stick to the no flour, no um, sugar. Um, fast food isn't really an issue. I, I technically, it's still on my list, uh, my food plan. Um, but it's like, as I said earlier, I don't have any real interest in it. Um, I had to add some things like um, I'm not allowed to, to get the large any any even though it might be um, healthy good foods like um, some some uh, peanuts you know and and trail mix and things like that I can't do those in large containers because I will sit there and graze if I'm not careful and the next thing I know I've eaten it all in like an afternoon um, I do like when I travel sometimes I'll bring smaller you can find very small individual packets and I'll do those instead um, so I, I generally sort of work against. Uh, having access to uh, a lot of food. So I don't keep very much in the house anymore. Um, and that works really well. My wife also, we basically get enough for the meals that we're gonna make and then we make those meals. And um, I'm also, uh, I also, I, ooh, um, I also added caffeine to my list as well because I found that um, uh, with caffeine, I end up doing a lot of manic things and that's one of the things that led me to sort of the, the food binge that brought me in program. Um, and so I, I stay away from caffeine as well. And uh, yeah, so I think that's sort of where I am. So thank you so much for you guys uh, for inviting me and, and exposing me to another meeting. And um, you guys are right around the corner from where I live. And so uh, uh, even though we're not doing meetings in person, um, it's, it's nice to know that you're there, so.